are listening to the Devil's Talking Potters podcast for East Village Times. Coming to you from the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication, here are your hosts, Dominic Stern and Bobby Murphy. Welcome into Devil's Talking Padres. Another series, another sweet Bobby. Exciting time to be a Padre fan that's six straight and nine of the last ten. How about it? Hey, Dom, it's been great. That's three straight series wins. As you said, two straight sweeps. And I cannot be happier right now as a San Diego Padres fan. The pitching's been on, on fire. The bats have been waking up when they need to. And it's just been so fun to watch. This last series, the pitching staff, especially the starter, the starters, were absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, every single one of the three pitchers who started for the Padres went six innings, and only Blake Snell allowed an earned run. The other two went seven innings, no earned run. So Blake Snell remains third in the rotation, but he's a really good number three. That's all that the Padres can really ask for. So Padres, when game one, seven to nothing, when game two in the extras, two to one, and then win game three, three to nothing. What are your overall thoughts on the series? Yeah, I mean, this this whole series was great. Uh, as you said, uh, two shutouts in the series. Just can't get better than that. We out-hit them every game. That seven will get to each of these one by one, of course. But, I mean, that first game was, was awesome. Put runs up, shut them out. Game two, I mean, that was a closer one. Of course, we had that walk-off on the wild pitch, uh, which my phone died. I was watching on my phone, and my phone ended up dying, uh, like the batter before the walk-off. So, that sucked. I missed that. But then game three, that another shutout. That was just so fun to watch. And it seemed like we were up by a lot, but it's really a close game uh, with the courtesy of uh, two home runs in the uh, fourth and sixth inning. But overall phenomenal series. Again, the pitching staff was just awesome to watch. And this has been no doubt the best uh, series by the Padres pitching this season so far with only one run in these three games total. Pretty hard to get any better. Let's talk about these games individually. I'm going to let you do the main lowdown because I have a pretty tough nose, but Potters win game one, seven to nothing. What did you like from this game? At this game, I mean, I'll hit them 11 to four. Uh, the walks, I don't say only, but we drew three walks, uh, so a lot less than the Cardinals series, but I don't know next time any MLB team will match 26 walks in three games in a series, but I mean, I'll hit them 11 to four courtesy of a few of three Rockies errors in game one. Uh, but Cronenworth had two hits. Machado had two hits with two RBIs. Uh, start off the bottom of the first with the home run, and then Cronenworth ended up scoring on an error. Bottom of the fourth, Caratini had a double to score Profar and O'Grady. Bottom six, we got a single from Kim to score Profar. And then bottom six, we saw Darvish get his uh, first hit as a Padre. Uh, it was his third career double. Uh, he scored on an error from Story. He had a rough fielding game that game. But Darvish pitching was absolutely insane. Seven innings, four hits, no walks in 10Ks. That was just a absolutely amazing performance from him. Uh, Chris Mack came in, two innings, two Ks, no hits, no runs on 18 pitches. And just from Chris Mack, he's been looking good his last few appearances. Uh, and nothing gets much better than that than this shutout right there. But this entire game, I mean, the bats were on. Uh, only, or uh, sorry, uh, not only, uh, three guys had multi-hit games. We saw Profar have two, he scored two runs, uh, and of course, Machado, the two RBIs, Caratini, that two RBI hit. It was nice and Darvish get that hit, his first in a Padres uniform. But overall, just a phenomenal game by the, by the entire roster. Uh, everyone looked great. Most people in starting lineup got a hit. Fam, 0 for 4, O'Grady. Shocker. Uh, O'Grady, 0 for 3, did score a run, uh, after drawing a walk, though, so... So overall, 
just amazing performance by the San Diego Padres and just nothing gets much better than that. Only did hit three for troll with runners in scoring position, but scoring seven runs, it was of course the difference maker only allowing zero. Yeah. You Darvish was impressive again, pretty clearly the ace. And he, after this game had double the amount of games in which he went seven innings and the rest of the Padres staff that of course is no longer in the case as Joe Musgrove got his third, uh, got his third start of seven innings plus this season. So that's no longer the case. He still has more seven plus innings starts than the rest of the team, but he has been so incredible. And Manny Machado had a fantastic game here hit the first inning home run. And then also at the double later in the game. And it really felt like Manny was going to start to heat up ended up not being the case. He still hit two balls over 108 miles an hour on Wednesday, continuing his really unlucky season. He still leads all National League hitters and balls hit over 95 miles an hour. So he's going to get hot at some point, but it sure felt like after Monday that he was going to get super hot. You got anything else on game one? Uh, just another thing on Darvish. Through his seven shutout innings, 81 pitches. I mean, I'm glad, of course, that's a low, low amount of pitches. His year right now sits at 1.81, and he's been having an insane year saying this again, as we have in almost every episode, that he is the Padres ace that we've been waiting for for so long. And he's just been looking awesome this year and just absolute gem of a performance in game one here from you, Darvish. Yeah, he could have definitely gone deeper, yeah. but you might as well get an appeal, Chris Matt, some innings. All right, game two, really long and slow game here. Blake Snell finally went six innings pitched, and the Padres walked it off in extra innings after Jorge Mateo was a runner on second base. And then Brian O'Grady pinch hit, bunted him over, and then he scored on a 2-2 wild pitch from Daniel Bard. It was another exciting game to be at. It was slow, but Potters got the job done. Yeah, I mean, this game, just a lot of strikeouts from the Potters lineup, 11 Ks uh, in 10 innings, uh, only six hits total, and three of those courtesy of Jake Cronenworth, who had a phenomenal series. I mean, just, a, of course, a great pitching performance from Blake Snell, which we've been talking about. He really needed six innings. Five hits, only one earned run, one walk, and 11 strikeouts. Did throw 97 pitches, but it was great to see him get uh, get or finish the sixth inning. Uh, he's really been struggling trying to get that far in games. I know Snell doesn't go deep in the games, really. But, I mean, just the four innings of bullpen performance. Adams, one inning, struck out two. Pagan, one inning, no base runners. Melanson kind of got into a little bit of a jam through 21 pitches, uh, allowed two walks and a hit, but was able to get out of the jam. And then Pierce Johnson coming in for the 10th with three strikeouts and a walk. Uh, but he looked great. This entire Padres uh, pitching staff looked phenomenal, phenomenal this game. And I mean, the lineup did not look good. Again, Cronenworth having three of our six hits. The other few courtesy of Nola, Kim, and Profar each had one. Uh, but I mean, Mateo, he's the guy you want on base right there in the bottom of the 10th and took advantage of uh, the pass ball. Or the wild pitch, I mean, uh, or whatever that was called. Uh, not Wild sure. pitch. Wild pitch, thank you. Forgive me for that. But, uh, I mean, Mateo, he's, he loves to see the energy from him. Love to see him on base right there. And he's one of our fastest guys, if not the fastest. Uh, so it was just great to have him on base there and scoring the walk-off run in the bottom of the 10th. Yeah, it's funny because I was also at this game. And Mateo came up to bat in the bottom of the ninth with two outs and nobody on. And my brother and I looked at each other and said, just get out. 
just get out. That way you start the next inning on second base. Just just get out. And that way we don't have to use courtesy pitch runner for the pitcher spot. Just get out and you start on second base. He, of course, did because he did not have a great ball game. He kind of looks lost at the plate, but he ended up getting on at second base to start. Brian O'Grady laid down a great butt, and then Trent Grisham fought off enough pitches to be able to have Bard try and get him to chase, and he missed high, and then the Potters won. So super exciting, but the way the Potters were able to escape in this outing was absolutely fantastic because Blake Snell, the second inning, he found himself in some trouble and he was able to strike out three straight batters to only allow one run that inning. And then the bullpen, Mark Melanson got absolutely screwed. I mean, Tommy Pham, he looked lost out there in left field. Ball he definitely should have caught, got a bad jump, and he's not fast anymore. So, of course, the ball got down. And the umpire totally missed strike three call. So, all of a sudden, it's first and second with both those guys should have been out. But he still got out of it. That's just how good Mark Melanson's been. And Pierce Johnson starting off with a runner on second base in the 10th inning, he was able to hold the Rockies to zero runs. And that just gives the Padres the ability to bunt because at the point where you need the one run, bunting isn't always worth it because now you're you're giving up an out because you also have a chance to win it. You might as well swing it. But when you need that one run to win, you're more inclined to bunt. And that's exactly what the Padres did. So that was super exciting and great execution by the Padres there. Yeah, um, and one of the biggest things of this game was Hampson, Story, and McMahon, the top three hitters for the Rockies in their lineup, combined to go 0 for 14 with 9Ks. They each had three strikeouts apiece, and it was just great getting the, just the top guys out for the, in this Rockies lineup who are now 2-17 and 17 on the road uh, after the final game of the series. They have just been really struggling outside of Coors, uh, but getting those top guys out, especially Story, those are huge outs uh, and gives the pitchers a lot of momentum and confidence. It's been exciting to watch those guys. So let's move on to the third game. Fernando Tatis Jr. He returned for this game. I was all the way down to the stadium with my friend and I was looking just to see what the Potters lineup was when I was sitting at a red light and I pull up my, my Twitter notifications and all of a sudden it says Fernando Tatis Jr. activated and I show up to my friend. I'm like, no lineup yet, but I got some pretty good news for you. So that was exciting. And he certainly showed up. Padres got six hits. Tatis Jr. had four of them. The other two hits were a Jake Cronenworth inside the Parco run and a Trent Grisham doubled, which he scored. So Padres were able to capitalize on their small amount of opportunities. And Joe Musgrove, once again, he looked fantastic. Uh, after having three straight bad starts, he's had two starts in a row where he's looked a lot better. That's certainly an encouraging sign because the Padres were a lot better early on in the season when he was looking good. And he just adds so much depth to that rotation. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, in this game, Musgrove, like you said, has been hot his last two starts. And this start, I mean, you can't say, obviously, it was his best of the season because he did have a no-hitter. But seven innings, two hits, with 11 Ks, no walks, no runs, doesn't get much better than that. So he was absolutely phenomenal this game. Stamming, striking out the side in the eighth was huge. Uh, I meant to tweet it during the game and uh, at you on that, but I was going to say, we stand Stamming. Forgot to do that, but... I mean, he just looks great this game. 15 pitches, striking out the side. And Melanson coming in for his 15th save of the year on 15 appearances. His ERA is now down to 0.87. I will soon have an article coming out on him this weekend. But, I mean, this was a... seemed like we had all the momentum in this game, which we did. But it really was never like a blowout at all. Of course, there's only 3-0. Potters only had six hits. Held the Rockies to two. But, I mean, that fourth inning home run from Tatis went 415 feet. And you were there. You must have saw, seen what that was like. And it was just a great, just a beautiful home run. So he's had a phenomenal day going four for four, 
with a run and two RBIs, <laughs> barely missing the cycle. He had that uh, bottom eight going for the triple uh, for the cycle, and he hit it right down the third baseline. I mean, going to left, it's hard to get a triple there, but with his speed, if that was fair, a few few more inches to the right, could have been a triple. Unfortunately, he only got a double, but Tatis is back. This is the second time this year he's come back off the IL and, and homered right away. So it's great to see him back in there. Uh, Grisham, he struggled with three Ks. Cronenworth had the inside the park home run that went off the wall in right field. And it was just, I mean, I thought it was gone. You said you thought it was gone. Blackman must have thought it was gone because he just didn't get the best read on it, but it's tough. That was off by inches. Uh, so that was our first two runs. And then bottom eight, Tatis doubled in Grisham to uh, give us some more insurance runs for Melanson. So Padres ended up getting that 3-0 win and sh- struck out 14 in this game. It was a great performance by everyone, or not everyone, by Tatis and, of course, the pitching staff. Yeah, just touching on what you said, I mean, Tatis was electric. And you knew right off the bat when he hit that ball, it was gone because you saw him hold his pose. And it sounded like a rocket off the bat. It was just insane. And the stadium went into a frenzy. So that was certainly fun to listen to because that was his first home run that I had seen him hit this year. So certainly cool to see. And yeah, Cronenworth, I mean, it was weird because I think everyone thought the ball was out. And Cronenworth, I was texting you this earlier, he tends to hit the ball when he pulls it with some topspin. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's just generally what happens. And so unless he really gets under the ball, topspin starts to bring it down earlier. And so like you've seen some of his massive home runs, the one up in San Francisco and the one off Bauer, those ones he really launched. This one was more of a line drive. And so while he hit it hard, it didn't quite have the lift to get out. And so thankfully he was running because Jake Cronenworth is a beast and he's a stud and he plays the game the right way. Dickerson positioned himself weirdly so that Cronenworth wasn't looking at him. And then Cronenworth took a weird round at third base because he thought it was just going to be a triple, but he was so fast and Blackman was so slow getting to the baseball that it didn't matter. And he still scored in his flex and uh, him running all the way to the dugout was pretty awesome to see. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing I like to see, uh, I mean, of course he should be flexing. Uh, I thought it was funny because he, uh, he was flexing, might need to hit the weight room after missing that home run by inches, but just watch him come around home after sprinting around all those bases, 360 feet. I mean, he just looks so, he just looks, of course, so energized and he was just sprinting back to the dugout, mouth wide open, huge smile. And it was just great energy right there. I mean, I like seeing inside the park home run as much as, as a out of the park home run. It's just so fun to see. It's more exciting. You barely see it. It would have been it would have been so cool if we saw a cycle and an inside the park come run in the same game. But I mean, Cronenworth, I mean, that was just that was absolutely beautiful hit, beautiful base running. Uh, even though he kind of stutter stepped at third, but ended up coming around. But I mean, Tatis having four of our six hits, the rest of the lineup did not look great. Hitting one for ten with runners in scoring position. Hosmer going over two in that spot. Same with O'Grady. The entire lineup did not look great. Uh, struck out eight times. So. Not too bad. Eight times an eight innings is not ideal, but wasn't the wasn't just overall great performance. But when you shut them out, all you need is one run, and we got three uh, and three very exciting runs there. Certainly was an exciting game. It, it, it had its spurts of excitement because yeah, you mentioned not a lot of offense. Tatis had four of the six team hits. That's all that matters. The Potters won and the pitching staff is carrying the team. And the offense is doing exactly what it needs to do. And that's all that matters. All right. Last week when we had Potters diehard come on for the podcast, Bobby and I skipped over our Devlin wildcat of the week because we didn't want to hold up Potters diehard. But 
now that we don't have a guest, at least to talk about the Padres, we'll have a guest on in a moment. We're going to do our Devil and Wildcat of the Week. So I have Devil of the Week, Bobby has Wildcat of the Week, and to me, my choice was pretty simple. It's going to be Jake Cronenworth. He was one of the few studs in the lineup who didn't end up on the COVID list. So he ended up producing a ton for the Padres while Tatis, Myers, Hosmer, Profar, and Mateo were out. And it's exactly what the Padres needed, and he was a big reason of why the Padres won eight of the last nine games. And, I mean, nine of the last ten as well, but that uh, that game against the Giants, which he, of course, contributed to with the win, isn't a part of this. But he's hit safely in 13 of his last 14 games. He's been a stud. He's also playing really good defense in the field. And he's just been a really dependable hitter. And ever since he got moved up to the three-hole in this lineup, it's been really good production around him. And before I get to my Wildcat, uh, I did like how uh, on, in this last game on Wednesday, how Tingler did put Tatis at fourth at the cleanup spot for the first time in his career. Because, I mean, this lineup with Grisham, with Grisham, Machado, and Cronenworth as the top three, I mean, it's been working. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But that was just, I mean, I liked having Tatis at the cleanup and caught wherever you put him. I mean, he'll be amazing. Only game at cleanup goes four for four. Usually we'll see him in the in the two hole, but even as leadoff, he can just do amazing things. We've seen many leadoff homers from Tatis in his career so far. Uh, but just to, uh, love the man the mansion from Tingler this series. And now onto my wildcat of the week or of the last two weeks. Uh, I'm going to go with Tommy Pham, who really has been struggling again. Uh, the the in the first game against the Rockies uh, back in the uh, in the uh, other series, he did go two for four. So that was his best game of the past, uh, of the entire month, really. Uh, but only three games in these, in, the, in these nine games did he get a hit. Uh, he only had four hits the entire last three series and went 0 for 10 uh, against the Rockies this series. So he just really struggled, uh, just not looking confident at all in the field as well. He's struggling just everywhere. Uh, the good thing I did like to see I did love to see from him in the Cardinals series was he was getting on base and drawing walks. So even if he wasn't getting hits, he was looking more comfortable with his play disciplined and he was able to get on base, which is just as good as a hit a lot of the time. Um, so I didn't, it was nice seeing fam get on base in that Cardinals series last weekend, but I mean, he's really been struggling. We've been talking about this. He's been wildcat a few times so far, uh, but he just needs to look more comfortable up there and, you know, take a swing at it. Like, we saw on Wednesday uh, the game you were at. I mean, it was a it was a low ball, it was a low pitch, uh, but with two strikes you got to protect. Might have been the bad call, but you still got to protect. And he's just not looking aggressive up there at all. Not hitting the ball well, uh, and he just again is really struggling. And if he wants to get played in time on this team, he really needs to. I mean, be better, hit better, field better, uh, and just be more aggressive. Uh, Brian O'Grady, I mean. He's not been very good. He's not been great or good for that matter, but I like him. He's a nice bat to have. He's not a lefty bat. And he's, I mean, I would rather give him more minutes or more, sorry, more innings right now than Tommy Pham. So for that, Tommy Pham, again, is the wildcat of the week. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he was the wildcat of the week last week. I don't know. It's been over a week since we did that, but it's so frustrating watching him hit at the plate because he's trying to walk because he can't hit the damn baseball. It's hard to watch. He has two extra base hits in over a hundred at bats so far this year. Like that, that's pathetic. You could say all you want about his baseball savant stats. Well, yeah, when you hit like 
and 95 mile an hour ground outs consistently just like roll me overs on, on fastball straight down the middle, your, your, your exit velocity and all that stuff is going to be solid, but he, he doesn't hit the ball hard. He doesn't hit the ball hard with a decent launch angle. He's also not good in the field. So at this point, the only thing he brings to the team is that he works long at bats because he doesn't chase. That's just one thing that he really does well. He's a leader in the clubhouse. Listen, I want Tommy Pham to remain on the team because he's a leader and he he's exactly what the current Potters approach at the plate is embodied with. But the Potters have to find someone to play left field because it's so frustrating watching him out there, both hitting and in the in the field. It's just so hard to watch. I mean, it seems to be a pattern. Just every single week we're talking about Tommy Pham how bad Tommy Pham is, how Tommy Pham can get better. Obviously, we're not his coach. He has a coach. He's a player in the Major League Baseball, and he just, I mean, it seems like by this point, he should have had it, just put it all together. But he's still really been struggling this year. Uh, and, I mean, same with us, same with all Padres fans, same with all of his teammates and coaches. We wanted to see him do well. And I also want him on the team, of course. I love pretty much everything you just said. Great veteran in the clubhouse. Works long at bats. He draws walks. Uh, he he has good play discipline, but he just cannot hit the ball. So, I mean, it's hopefully next week he won't be the devil, the wildcat of the week again. Pardon me. Hopefully we will not be mentioning him again as a wildcat of the week. Maybe we can mention him as the devil of the week. That would be the best part of the week. But until he gets it, his bat fixed, until he gets his swing fixed, uh, that's that's not going to happen. I'm not getting my hopes up for that because. He's just so terrible at the plate right now. It's hard to watch. I mean, O'Grady's going to get sent down when Myers comes back, but I, it's just hard to watch. The Potters need to find someone to go out and play left field if they really want to win a championship this year, which I know they want to do. All right, let's wrap up our series recap. We're not going to move into our preview before Bobby and I break down the series. I'm going to bring in a friend of mine from ASU, Seattle Mariners fan and Seattle native. So for now, let me bring in Ike Everard. You know, welcome in Ike Everard to Devil's Talking Padres, Seattle native, and of course, Seattle Mariners fan, and a now rising senior at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communications. How does that sound like, rising senior? <laughs> it's pretty crazy. I mean, I don't know where the time went, but here we are. Right. And of course, everyone basically losing a year and a half of school didn't help with that timing, but... So, all right, you're here to talk about the Mariners with me. Of course, you are a big Seattle Mariners fan. We brought you on. Mariners, they currently sit one game below 500. I don't want to say in the midst of a rebuild, but they weren't expecting to compete. So they're doing all right this year, but the story has been a very struggling offense. And Jeff Passan last night tweeted that they have a team batting average of 199. How, how are the Mariners winning with a team average of 199? Well, you know, they they've really been slumping lately. So most of their wins came in the first three or four weeks of the season when we had guys like Ty France and Evan White producing in the lineup. Uh, Ty France, especially he's out right now with a wrist injury after he got hit by a pitch, but he was kind of a cornerstone of the offense until he got hit. Um, After he got hit, I think he went two for his next 37. So they kind of had to put him on the IL. Obviously you're familiar with Ty France. Um, came over from the Padres, but he he was hitting really well. He was getting a lot of extra base hits. He was looking like a, you know, somebody who really could be built around in the infield. And so hopefully he'll be back soon. Since that, um, they've just really slumped really badly. And, you know, you said, how, how have they won? They haven't won much is the, is the answer to that. They've 
lost quite a bit. So as would be expected with a batting average that low. That's a good point. Three and seven in the last 10 games. And, you know, we, we don't want to wish any injuries on any players, but uh, it's kind of relieving that we don't get to have Ty France uh, with his former Padres magic come into Petco Park and just kill us because that's what every single former Padres does. So uh, we'll miss out on that this week. But, yeah, you mentioned it. Ty France, he's out. Evan White is out. But Mitch Hanniger, he's been killing it this year. And uh, he, of course, has missed some time in the past couple of years. Uh, what has he been doing so well that uh, has impressed you so far? Well, Mitch, I mean, I've always been impressed by him ever since he came over from the Diamondbacks. Um, he's just looked outstanding. I think his swing is super sustainable over a long period of time. He keeps the bat in the in that hitting zone for so long, which I've seen people talk about. It's reminiscent of Ted Williams in some ways, which I mean, that's high praise, but um, yeah. you know, it's something he does really well. And I think that that means that his success can be sustained for a long period of time, even though he is getting up there in age. Um, but what he's done this year is the power. He's really brought that 12 home runs is up there on the league leaderboards. Um, he's not leading the league anymore. Otani passed him, but he's definitely going to be competitive in the home run race. And he's only hitting in the two sixties, I think. So the average could use a little bit of work, but he's definitely the best hitter in this lineup and someone to watch out for. Yeah. Let's talk about the pitching staff for a little bit. The two projected starting pitchers we have for Friday and Saturday are Chris Flexen and Justice Sheffield. What can you tell us about those two guys? Well, Flexen surprised a lot of people because he came over this year. He's only 26 years old. Um, he pitched in the NL for a while and he hasn't started much in his career. Um, he's the guy that I think has really taken this opportunity and done pretty well with it. You know, I'll say people in Seattle are pretty impressed with him. I don't think he's the long-term answer in the rotation, but for this year and maybe next year, like Chris Flexen is the guy who's going to give you six solid innings and hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully he'll pan out to be more than that since he still is relatively young, but he's definitely a guy who you shouldn't take lightly. Um, I think he'll be able to do some damage. Uh, Justice Sheffield, obviously former top prospect, has looked decent in his time with the Mariners ever since they got him in a trade uh, with the Yankees. But overall, I would say he's not quite panned out exactly how scouts and analysts thought he would. Um, he's pretty inconsistent, but when he's on, he's shown flashes of greatness. Um, he's shown, you know, little spurts of that pitcher that people thought he would be. And so, He's, he's somebody who's going to get a lot of strikeouts and he'll be a player for sure, but not, not anyone that I would be too scared of. Yeah, those two guys will be facing the Padres, but according to ESPN, there's no projected starter for Sunday. You told me before we got on, you're expecting a bullpen day. What could that look like from the Mariners' perspective? Well, the bullpen actually has been pretty dominant lately. Um and when they have gone with a bullpen day, it's been pretty impressive. The results have been better than most of the starters that they've thrown out there because they insist on sticking with the six-man rotation, even though they don't have six starters. So, you know, I would expect to see somebody like Will Vest come out and open up. Um, he's been pretty good out of the bullpen. He throws a lot of strikes. He might go two innings. And then after that, it's kind of up to, you know, whoever doesn't pitch on the previous day. Um, and they'll just kind of patchwork it together. So you'll get a lot of different looks. You'll get a lot of different arm angles, a lot of different 
styles of pitching coming at you, which is always interesting to see. There you have it. That is our Mariners uh, perspective from Ike Everard. Ike, you expecting a winner, two wins, or what, what are you expecting from the Mariners this upcoming series against the Padres? Well, so the second best record in the National I League. I mean, <laughs> I was just at the game last night and watched us get no hit, so I'm not too oh. hopeful for anything this uh, this weekend. I would I would expect a clean sweep for the Padres, if I'm being honest. Um, but you never know. I mean, technically, it's a rivalry matchup with the <laughs> with the Peoria spring training, so uh, maybe they'll maybe they'll show up and surprise some people. Yeah, the Vetter Cup. And the Mariners actually had the Padres number last year. They were able to take, I believe, four out of six from the Padres. And we obviously know the Padres are the best season according to winning percentage in franchise history last year. So maybe the Mariners will find a way to do it again. Thank you, Ike, for coming on. You can find Ike on Twitter at Ike underscore on underscore the underscore Mike. Uh, he does a lot of great video concepts uh, over at ASU. So definitely make sure to throw him a follow and thank you for coming on. Ike. Yeah. Thank you for having me. All right. That was my series preview with Ike. Bobby brought a lot of good insight on the Mariners. He was at the game last night when they of course got no hit. It's a tough scene, but he seemed to be a pretty good fan about it. You know, he's a true baseball fan because you can appreciate what happened there. Uh, you know, seeing a no hitter is pretty cool. So let's go into preview the series. Now their team has a complete rotation announced for this upcoming series. We do know that Paddock will be starting on Friday and we can assume that Darvish will start on Sunday. You're going to get some of the best pitchers on the Potters going up against the struggling Mariners offense. Yeah. I mean, for us, Chris Paddock's been looking great his last few starts and he's been getting a lot, a lot of run support against the Cardinals last Saturday, 13 to three win four innings, one run, only two K's. I'll gladly take that from him. Uh, did have 84 pitches, so he was. It was a tough four, not a tough. It was a uh, work hard for four innings. He looked great. Uh, did walk a guy, but only allowing four base runners uh, and uh, did allow a home run. But if if Paddock can keep going with his four or five innings, one two runs, I'll gladly take that. Start before that uh, against the Giants, uh, almost two almost two weeks ago. It's three innings sh- shut out with four Ks. Didn't go deep in that game either, but. He's been looking great. Uh, and with this new attitude of his, which we've been talking about a lot, I mean, I'm loving it. He's looking good. And he's just really looking a lot more comfortable out there on the mountains. Not only does he look comfortable, he looks more confident. And that's kind of what made Chris Paddock, Chris Paddock and the Sheriff in 2019. And that's what we need to see from Chris Paddock. And as we mentioned with Ike, only two scheduled starters so far, Friday and Saturday. We got Chris Fluxen, right-handed starter for Friday. And then Justice Sheffield, left-handed starter for Saturday. What can you tell us about these guys, Bobby? And, um, I mean, Chris Flexen, I mean, he's been, I don't know much about him, but he's been looking good this year. Four, four and one record with a 3.46 ERA. Um, not at all a big strikeout guy. It's only 23 Ks and 39 innings, but he's been looking great his last few starts. He's on a coming off a five innings and two third, one run uh, outing with a win. And then before that, I mean, did get hit a little hard, six and a third with 10 hits, four runs, and was able to get the win against Texas back on May 7th. So uh, a lot of time in between those two start in between uh, that first start, but he's been looking uh, solid this year. Not a big swing and miss guy at all, but he's been pitching fine. Uh, his numbers are looking good. Uh, don't know much about his pitches at all, but uh, I mean, it's not, a, he's not a blow you away pitcher, uh, but 
we should, shouldn't be too hard of a struggle to put up some runs on him. Uh, and then with Justice Sheffield, I mean, he's been struggling this year. He's has a three and three record with the 4.62 ERA. Uh, also with him, 39 innings with 31 Ks and 13 walks. So he doesn't blow you away. Same with Fluxen. Uh, and his command's not looking great. He's walking a guy every three innings, uh, which isn't awful. Uh, that's, I mean, around two two walks per start. But uh, he's been he's c- coming off a great start against the Indians uh, a few four days ago. Today is Wednesday. Uh, you might be listening to this the next day. But six innings, two runs, ended up getting the win uh, after getting blown out by the Rangers. Uh, his start before that, uh, just over a week ago, but. I mean, these two guys, we haven't heard of the other guy pitching yet. Or, sorry, the other pitcher has not been announced yet. But, I mean, these two guys, nothing that will shut you down, really. I mean, a lot of times with the Potters lineups, even now, we will see some pitchers just for some reason shut us out. Hopefully, we don't see that this series. But nothing special about these two pitchers here. Fluxen's been doing solid this year. Sheffield's been struggling struggling a little bit. But neither pitcher uh, that's shut down the Potters, and we should put some runs on them. Yeah, we, we already talked about it. Chris Flexen kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, we talked about that with Ike. And then Justice Sheffield, former top prospect for the Yankees, was in the James Paxton trade. And he's kind of not lived up to the hype. He's made one start against San Diego Padres, won six innings, one earned run. So you never know. Sheffield, you know, he could... Uh, we saw with Mitch Keller a couple of weeks ago. Another former top prospect who made a start against the Padres, and he had his A stuff. If Sheffield has his A stuff, he's a very good pitcher. Now, the problem is he hasn't had his A stuff a lot this year. So a pitcher, like you mentioned, Bobby, doesn't throw a ton of strikes. Potter's going to need to be patient. I'd imagine Pham plays in that game, given that he's a lefty and he's patient, but we'll see. You never know there. And like we mentioned with Ike, for the Sunday game, it's likely going to be a bullpen day. So hopefully the Potters can take advantage of that. Uh, you got anything else on the Mariners? I mean, this lineup, there's no there's no one here that really blows away. Mitch Hanniger is really having a great year. 12 home runs so far. He's near the top of the league in home runs. 30 RBIs with an 8-7-3 OPS. Uh, Kyle Seeger is always a guy who's not easy to pitch to, but he's struggling this year uh, with a 7-52 OPS, 2-23 batting average. As we, uh, you told me earlier, Ty France is on the injured list, so we will not see his return to Petco on the field. Uh Kyle Lewis, I mean, he's been injured a lot of the year, but he was great last year. Uh, he's been struggling a little bit this year. Uh, catcher, I mean, we've got Tom Murphy. Shout out to my dad, Tom Murphy. Uh, we got Tom Murphy catching for the Mariners. Uh, he's one guy who, I mean, he's really been struggling this year. Uh, he's also been missing a lot of games uh, due to injury. But, I mean, just no one in this lineup really is phenomenal. No one here really blows you away. Uh, we'll hit the cover off the ball. And not a lot of extra base hits from these guys. I mean, Kyle Seeger and Mitch Hanager will get their doubles, get their home runs. They've been hitting, I mean, they've been hitting a lot of bombs this year, but total, just this lineup as a whole is not phenomenal. Mariners aren't a great team. Uh, they are doing better than I thought this year. They're currently sitting at, as of uh, Wednesday night, 21 and 22, uh, have lost seven of the last 10 and two in a row. So they're coming in on kind of a cold streak. Uh, but I mean, Padres should take two out of three here. Uh, of course, can't sit, ask for a sweep every time, but two sweeps in a row, six wins. Let's make it nine. That'd be fun. And Jeff Passon tweeted this the other day when the Mariners got no hit. Team batting average of 199, Bobby. 199. Really bad. So we'll see. And going up against a really good Potters pitching staff, things will not get easier for them. You, you touched on the lineup. 
Jared Kelnick, top prospect. He's going to hit the road for the first time. We'll see how he handles that. He's super fun. He hasn't done too hot. Did hit a home run and had three extra base hits in his second career game. Super excited to see him on Saturday. And this should be another fun series. I'd love to get another sweep here. I think two out of three games here would be uh, ideal here. You know, starting off 20 consecutive games, that's a brutal stretch. But, hey, why not start it hot? Potter's got the day off on Thursday, which is when a lot of you will probably be listening to this. We thank you all for continuing to listen to Devil's Talking Padres. And with that, let's wrap up this episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Once again, please follow my friend Ike on Twitter. Did a great job breaking down the Mariners. You can find him on Twitter at Ike underscore on underscore the underscore Mike. And then follow Bobby and I on Twitter. Find me at DMster19 and follow Bobby at Bobby Murphy 2000 He's got a big game tonight. Uh, the winner of Suns, the winner of Lakers versus Warriors will play his Suns and the first round of the NBA playoffs. That'll be exciting for him. We'll be tweeting a lot about the Suns. So if you care at all about the Suns, go ahead and follow him. Even if you don't, you still follow him anyways and follow me. We thank you all for tuning in. Make sure to continue to check out our content at eastwatchtimes.com. And with that, thank you for listening to Double Stock of Padres. Go Padres.